Welcome to the Embodied Aquarian Age podcast. This is Emily Trinkus, and we are currently navigating a very Piscean time with several planets lined up in the sign of the fishes, including Saturn and Neptune, which will both remain in Pisces for the next two years. So I was grateful to get to talk with Tammy Roth, who was born with Saturn in Pisces and is now in her second Saturn return. She is on a journey of mastering the Piscean realms of sensitivity, surrender, soul care, creativity, dream building, as well as addiction and healing. I was introduced to Tammy by Whitney Freya, whom I interviewed last year, and I'll include a link to that episode in the show notes. Tammy and Whitney work together holding recovery circles for women that are based on a new multidimensional paradigm focused on creativity and community. I really appreciate Tammy's insights into working with the subtle and sometimes tricky Piscean energies, and I hope you enjoy the episode. All right. Welcome, Tammy. Thank you so much. I love your podcast so much. All Everybody you talk to is just so fascinating. So this morning, I'm like, I've got to live up to this. <laughs> oh, you're, you're perfect. I've been really looking forward to talking with you. And um, yeah, so much that we can get into. And I love that you do speak astrology also. So we'll be looking at that angle. Um, but as we get started, just let us know a little bit about the work that you do um, with supporting women in recovery and whatever else you want to share about yourself as we get started. Sure. Um, so I, my history was, I, I spent a couple of decades in corporate, had my own awakening and um, through that awakening journey got sober and um, before getting sober, I'd already started tapping into um, astrology and mysticism and yoga and creativity, all those kind of things. And so I really believe that those things shifted my vibration enough that I was able to get sober. Um, but anyway, my approach to recovery, I went, I did go the traditional route as far as 12-step meetings, but it was never enough. I knew I needed all of these other, you know, what I would call um, feminine, divine feminine elements that I needed those. So I kind of created my own path and through that um, have stayed sober for 15 years. And what I, so then my, my career path kind of, you know, I was just naturally drawn to women who were interested in getting sober. Um, and through the years, what I've discovered is that those who struggle with especially substance addictions, are the most highly sensitive, highly attuned, tuned in beings on the planet. And so I just love working with people who are aware of that and are aware of when it started getting shut down, um, because then we can work with with that element to open them back up to the gifts that are are there just waiting and and so me, along with um, Whitney Freya, have created a, a program that really brings in so much of the, the sacred feminine and creativity, sacred geometry, um, just 
all kinds of fun stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a lot in there that I want to get into, but just in terms of the work that you're doing with Whitney and thank you to Whitney for connecting us. Um, and you mentioned a, a new paradigm of recovery for women. So can you say more about wh what what is that feminine approach and how do you use creativity and why is that so useful for recovery from addiction? Yeah. Um, so if, if you think of it from the foundational standpoint of just vibration and frequency, addiction is, you know, it's just filled with shame and is just a very low vibration. So um, one of the things I discovered when I was going through the process is the more I focused on the addiction, the worst I felt, but the more I focused on the things I love and was really nurturing, you know, these creative, intuitive gifts, it just seemed like the addictive patterns would fall away much more easily. And so that's where Whitney and I really started was, you know, what if we focus on what we're wanting to create versus what we're trying to get rid of and do it in community. And then also um, from the feminine standpoint in a, a softer, more spacious way, which is, you know, soft and spacious are not our cultural norm, you know, and, and so really having a lot of uh, compassion for ourselves, loving ourselves through recovery, and, and from every aspect, not pathologizing the addiction, but just seeing it as part of the underworld journey. And any, any good myth has an underworld journey, and then there's the rising up out of it. So really reframing all of that. Um, and love, compassion, and gratitude for the journey are just the absolute foundation of, you know, no matter, and I even think of like Matt Kahn's phrase, whatever arises, love that. Like there's nothing that we're going to tackle or beat or <laughs> yeah, we're not going to wrestle something to the ground. We're just going to love ourselves into are this, you know, I'm quoting people here today, but Mary Oliver, the soft animal of our body, like really tuning into the body as well and listening and um, being in relationship with earth, with body, with movement, and just all the feminine aspects of healing. You, what you're saying is really moving to me. I don't know if it's all the planets in Pisces right now, but I got kind of teary as you were talking about that, because I think there's a there can be this idea that if you have an addiction, it's because you're weak and you don't, you need to have stronger willpower and get out the stick and, you know, beat yourself into sobriety. And obviously that just doesn't work for probably most people, that right. kind of approach of like toughing it out. And so this idea of uh, soft and spacious and also, being in community seems really important. And, and of course there is that AA model, which right. we're gonna come back to astrologically, but, um, but also thinking about a, a kind of creative community that's supporting more of what you love and so much compassion, uh, that just sounds really sweet <laughs> and, and helpful. Yeah, and, and we've opened it up 
it's not just for people recovering from addictions because I mean, everybody's recovering from something, whether it's, you know, a, a chronic health issue or a horrible divorce um, or, you know, a very huge transition happening on the planet right now. We're all recovering from where we've been, you know? Well, and that's something I want to ask you about too, because there are the obvious addictions if someone's an alcoholic or abusing substances, but then it just seems like most people are addicted to something. And there's the socially approved of addictions like caffeine or sugar or technology or workaholism. Yeah. And, and I remember having a conversation with a friend a long time ago, we were talking about 12 step groups and, um, and we were like, why isn't there just a group for anyone? Like, I, I don't fit into this one. I don't fit into that one. I don't fit into this one, but I have all the same problems at some level or struggles. And yeah, so it seems like everyone, there's a place for everyone in recovery. Right. Yeah. And, and that in the meetings that, that we lead, I mean, it, the people there are recovering from all kinds of things, but the, you know, it, the solution is the same for all of us. The problem is different for, but we don't talk about the problem. I mean, it, it comes up some, but it's not the focus. So it doesn't really matter in our, our recovery circles because we're focused on creating the life we love and right. navigating the the triggers and the challenges. Right. Um, and I want to come back to what you were saying about highly sensitive people. Mm. First of all, how does someone know if they are, if they would fall into that category? Um, the way I got versed in it is I was clinical director of a women's treatment center and I'd already discovered I was highly sensitive through the work of Elaine Aaron. She's um, a psychologist that has just a simple online assessment you can take. Um, and her, her book is called the highly sensitive person. And um, you know, it's, it's really all comes down to the nervous system. If, if a person, um, you know, gets over, overstimulated easily, um, you know, through any of, any of the senses. And it, I think it's, it's an interesting time to be thinking about if people like, ultimately, I think we're all highly sensitive. It's just, <laughs> you know, that we are so layered and armored up that most people don't even realize it. Um, and so then most likely the women I've worked with are not just highly and highly sensitive, but also highly empathic, um, which those two things are, you know, somewhat different because the, the empath feels everything around them and feels other people's feelings and can, you know, really sense the energy in the room. But the the highly sensitive person is um, it's all it's all within the nervous system. Mm -hmm. So, and I heard you say before in another podcast that the the empaths are like at the far far end or the extreme end of on the sensitivity spectrum. Is that the idea? Yes. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and and it it just makes perfect sense that high sensitivity would go along with addiction because you want to, this is a harsh world and we want to 
numb out. And, and then of course that, that usually doesn't work so well in the long term. Right. So how, how can we go from being, cause I also identify as a highly sensitive person an empath, how, how can we work with that sensitivity as our superpower versus just being taken out by it or so overwhelmed by it? Well, I mean, I think that is the, that's the true recovery right there. It's like recovering our essence of who we are. And um, I guess the short answer would be radical self-care that we can't, we can't live by the societal norms. We can't go at that pace. Um, that's what one of the things that I'm most passionate about is leading women's retreats. And I'm passionate about it because I I had somebody um, say that there's an actually there's a retreat archetype. And when I heard that, I was like, I, I carry that. I know I do. <laughs> because that within me, I just have this knowing of how much we just need like deep listening, not a vacation. But, you know, a time to really go into uh, rest and restoration and deep listening. And so I think that, you know, just learning to live in a, again, a slower, more spacious and more compassionate way toward ourselves is probably the best thing we can possibly do when we're highly sensitive. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, that requires disappointing people and um, you know, just not living according to the the pace that our world mm -hmm. is. Yeah, I've heard you talk about both self-care and also soul care. Mm -hmm. And what would you say the, the difference is or what exactly do you mean by soul care? How do we do that? Well, I think it does take deep rest and listening to even be able to get to that level but it's just that deepest aspect of ourselves that that really quiet voice that you know is i just think of like at that soul level it's just so precious but yet it's filled with so much wisdom and that's where our deepest desires are and that you know being able to really care for that aspect is what's going to lead us to like living our most vibrant creative lit up life because that the soul knows what we that's where our true desires are and um you know really listening to the soul and and taking care at that level you're really going to disappoint some people around you <laughs> indeed i mean and, and this is where it seems like community is so essential because what you're talking about is very counter to how mainstream society functions which is go 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 and you got to have your plan and know what's happening and it's always near on to the next thing no time for rest and dreaming and creativity and those frivolous things so to have a community that really holds you and respects that process and sees the necessity of that process yeah right that, yeah, we we help each other remember that truth, you know, and because it it's so easy to get sucked into just the, you know, the mainstream culture. So yeah, that that week us coming together weekly, that's one of our biggest parts is we remember who we really are and and that it and give ourselves permission to do that level of soul care. Yeah. Mhm. Mm and 
so what we're talking about here, we're talking about rest and spaciousness and addiction and sensitivity and creativity. And these are all Piscean themes. Right. And not only are we having this conversation at a time when we've got a, a big lineup of planets and Pisces, but also just in terms of the bigger context of where we're at as a collective making this transition from the age of Pisces to the age of Aquarius. Um, as I've said many times, I don't know when exactly that transition happens, but it seems clear to me that we're, we're in it. And as we're in it, we have all of these shadow or distorted expressions of Pisces coming up the addiction, the escapism, denial, delusion, denial, delusion, drugs, <laughs> um, all coming up to be healed and cleared. And I think to take us on a journey to the more conscious expression of Pisces, which would be the compassion and uh, deep, you know, unconditional love and honoring our soul selves, our, our spiritual essence. So, how, yeah, what are, what are your thoughts about this, you know, this bigger Pisces unfolding or even, you know, this current moment of Saturn in Pisces, Neptune in Pisces? Yeah, I, I love Saturn in Pisces because to me, that's what really brings the compassion, the self-love, the, the dreams into 3D reality. You know, it's like, I, I, yeah, I just, I love that aspect because it's like, yes, this is a way we can live day to day and not have to go into the shadow aspect and escape, but it takes that Saturnian discipline, you know, I mean, just everything we've already been talking about, like you've got to be willing to disappoint people. You've got to be disciplined to your own soul and, um, you know, I've heard so many people like being afraid of Saturn, but I, it's just been remarkable for me to, to bring this way of life in, in which, as you know, I've got, um, my Saturn is in Pisces, zero degrees of Pisces. So I feel very familiar with that placement. And, um, and I feel like, Intuitively, I just feel like it, it's like this um, this clarion call of, you know, yeah, right now is the time you're probably going to want to check out because things are so heated up. But it's actually a time where if we can shift the narrative and pull pull this new way into reality, it, it can really shift mm -hmm. the narrative. And mm -hmm. um, and I feel like that's why this this program that Whitney and I co-created came in at this time. And she and I both have, you know, some significant Pisces stuff going on <laughs> in our mm -hmm. chart. Yeah. I think Saturn and Pisces is such an interesting placement because like you said, Saturn is about discipline and I don't want to say, well, let's say taking charge or being an authority and also about creating a container, creating the structure or the form. And like you were saying, bringing things into manifestation. And then we have Pisces, which is surrender and letting go and, you know, let go, let God, goddess, right? Um, and it's so fluid and it's so vast and it's so infinite. How do we find a container for that? How do we ground that? Um, and it seems like with Saturn being in Pisces, 
now and for those who were not aware, Saturn went into Pisces in March of 2023 and will be there until I think it's February 2026. And thinking about this as a time when we're really being called to do the work, Saturn's so much about showing up and doing the work at that deep soul level and at the level of consciousness, at the level of the unconscious. I mean, one of the ways I think about Saturn is as a kind of cleanup crew. So now the cleanup crew is coming into Pisces land and saying, okay, where where are we escaping instead of dealing? And what what does our soul really need to come into integrity or for our lives to come into greater integrity to honor our deeper soul self? So it's a very rich time to be doing this deep inner work and really taking taking that level of reality very seriously. Saturn is about getting serious. Um, and you had such a great uh, insight or revelation earlier that you shared with me before we started recording. Do you want to share that Saturn and Pisces insight? Sure. Um, yeah. So um, I have, so the founder of AA's name was Bill Wilson. And I have, through this whole process, I keep feeling his presence over my left shoulder. And the left shoulder, you know, I think of that as being the feminine side. And I feel like he, even though I know they didn't do high fives in the twenties, I feel like he's high-fiving me. Um, and um, so it feels very encouraging because that was a patriarchal model. You know, it, it came into being in the twenties for men. So of course it's a patriarchal model, but what I know is that Bill W was a mystic and he had a mystical experience. And um, so that's why I felt comfortable having him, you know, at my back. So before getting on this podcast, I called him in and was like, please be with me, inform me, you know, I want to be in integrity. And um, it was 15 minutes before. And he said, <laughs> what I heard was something I'd never heard before. He said, you need to look at my chart. And I'm like, oh my gosh, why had I never looked at his chart? So I'm like, you know, punching it in really quick. And his North Node is in Pisces. And then I ran a transit chart um, with the, the founding date of AA and Saturn was in Pisces conjunct his North Node. And it just kind of blew my mind. <laughs> Yes. And as I shared, astrology continually blows my mind. And that's so literal. So that at that moment, he's finding or creating this form, this structure to anchor in this really uh, healing and conscious expression of Pisces. Right. Um, that's that's incredible. Yeah. Um, so and and also great, great to have that perspective that, OK, that. That was Saturn in Pisces, the founding of AA. Now we have another Saturn in Pisces, and Saturn has about a 29-year cycle. So every 29 years or so, we get Saturn in Pisces. And so it, it's interesting to think about the work that you're doing now in terms of creating a different kind of structure. And right. uh, and you know, 100 years later, what's the what's the next evolution or next expression of that structure? Um, and I also hadn't realized that AA was originally founded. It, was it just for men? Yeah. Initially? Yeah. Interesting. It was. Interesting. Yeah. And um, 
codependence anonymous came out of that because the women were like, the wives were like, well, what about us? And so they didn't go to the AA meetings. They formed their own meetings. And it was, that was more the, where the codependent aspect came in. Mm-hmm. That is wild. And do you work with astrology in terms of working with your clients? Yes. How, how, <laughs> how do you use astrology with them? Well, it's like, how could I not, you know, it just, um, yeah, once I, once I started understanding it, it was like, oh my gosh, it's, it's all laid out right there. So it, again, just, I really view, I view astrology as everything is there for us. It's all to support us. And um, I, because I also do um, family constellation work, which is accessing the quantum field, then what I do is have my clients access the field and access their, we'll pick, you know, a certain transit or natal placement that, that they're curious about. And so they access that through their body. And what I've found is it's a very embodied experience and they get, um, another friend and I together discovered this approach we just kind of fell into it. And so now we, we get in the field with transits in our charts all the time. And then I use this with clients so that they can get a visual. It's like they get an embodied visual symbolic um, energy to carry with them instead of it just being zero degrees Saturn in Pisces, you know, it's, it's something. And I, I can give an example when I stepped into my, Saturn in Pisces, um, I was, I was looking out at beautiful nature, but it was like watching it on a movie screen. It didn't, it's like, it wasn't real. And it took me opening the doors and putting feet on the earth and feeling the wind on my face to, it was like, to really embody it. And so I use that. I mean, going back to, it's like, Pisces was almost inaccessible to me until I stepped into the field. And that that embodied approach really helped me access Pisces in a deep, deeper way in my body, if that makes any sense. Absolutely. I think that's super cool. I love any kind of kind of playing with astrology that gets us out of our heads and into the direct experience of it. Um, and I'm curious, since it seems like you were born with Saturn in Pisces, you're in your second Saturn return. So obviously you've learned a lot about how to work with Saturn in Pisces. What are, what are some other, like how can the rest of us be working productively with Saturn in Pisces for the next couple of years? Um, well, I also have a Virgo stellium. So I feel like I've spent my, I mean, to me, it's, I, I never could access the Pisces in a healthy way. And that's why, you know, alcohol was, you know, is, I mean, it's called spirits, <laughs> you know, so I was, I was seeking it in, in the shadow realm. Yes. And so it has been the, the last 15 years. Um, you know, when you were talking about Pisces being surrender and all these things that aren't contained, I mean, I feel like that's what Saturn does is brings it helps us bring practices into place, you know, that it does bring a container because if you don't, 
if you don't surrender with some kind of community or some kind of container, it's, it can just be a hot mess, you know? Um, well, so- and, and surrender, that's, that's tricky in terms of Pisces, because there can be the more victimy or help, like, okay. I'm just, I'm just surrendering to whatever, you know, a sort of unconscious surrender versus the conscious surrender. And like, what exactly are we surrendering to? And is that, yeah. So can you, can you talk more about surrender? How, how do we, how do we do that in a conscious and useful way? Uh, that, that's a good question. Yeah. I, when you were saying that about victimy surrender, um, I was thinking more like collapse, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. And again, I, for me, it's always been about having practices and community. And um, I mean, that's what it's been layer levels and layers and layers of surrender through the years, but it's because I've had a morning practice, a journaling, a meditation of yoga, you know, so I've been able to keep my nervous system regulated. I think otherwise um, the surrender could have been messy. And, you know, a lot of times surrender is messy and you end up having a health crisis or, um, you know, um, end up in a psych ward or all kinds of things. So yeah, for me, the and maybe it is because I've got that Virgo stellium and I like Saturn so much, but the, it's the container, the practice, the community having, having structure around it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it seems like you're really majoring in that Virgo Pisces polarity and um, and even though I don't have any planets in Pisces, I do have the Virgo stellium as well. And I feel like that's, you know, whenever and for those who don't know, a stellium means having four planets in the same sign. And um, whenever you have a strong emphasis on one sign, you you really have to learn how to lean into the opposite. So I feel like for me also, it's been a similar journey of balancing how to balance out the Virgo in a healthy way that's not about, okay, now I'm going to be a workaholic and beat up on myself and be super perfectionist. And then I'm just going to totally check out and space out or be attracted to people who are, you know, very, I don't know, in addictive patterns or whatever, like how to bring in the Pisces in a, in a conscious and useful way. Um, And yeah, I, I think that there is something so important about the the consistency of showing up to sort of bringing in the Saturn discipline just to to show up consistently for those practices. Um, but then it's like within the practices themselves, that's maybe where more of the surrender comes in. I'm thinking about creativity here and the creative process. Mm-hmm. How do you think that those dynamics play out in terms of creating because it can be easy even for people who don't have a Virgo stellium to be very perfectionist when it comes to, you know, painting or drawing or writing. And that can just really shut down the, the flow. So, and there is a certain amount of surrender that comes into the creative process. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about creativity in that sense? Yeah. Well, again, I think Saturn is a great, teacher with that because uh, I think it also requires a practice because the more um, you know just the awareness around our culture that is so product driven 
And if we can get in the practice of creating just for the sake of creating and then using the art journal, the canvas or whatever, just as a mirror for what's going on, um, you know, in classes that I teach, which I've learned from Whitney is, you know, if we can, no matter what's showing up on the canvas, if it's, oh, it's ugly and I want to cover it up as quick as possible. Well, let's slow down and be with the ugly, you know? And so no matter what it is, working with it. And um, if you're wanting to race through it, how about we slow, for me, it always comes back to slowing down. But um, but I think, I mean, I, I believe that's one of the huge things we're missing right now is a, a creative culture. We we are always consuming instead of creating. And, and I, it's hard to create just for the sake of creating, you know, it's like, it's wasting time, it's wasting money. That's, you know, that's the voice that can be in the head. But it's, it's critical for us to create a new earth to be practicing creating and, and to be curious about what comes through. Because the other thing I've seen is, you know, if we can slow down and if they're, you know, oh, I don't like what's on the canvas, slow down, let's look at it closer. And all of a sudden it's, I mean, magic appears. It's just, you know, remarkable things that are there, but it really does take slowing down, being present and um, curious and all things, again, I don't think we're so great at as a culture. Not at all. And I completely agree that creative practice is a a practice of creating our world and creating our lives and um, knowing our creative power. Right. How did how did you get started in painting or in creative practice? Um, I was one of those people that grew up being told we're not creative people, and I you know believed it and. and um, and then I actually, I met Whitney, we both lived in Nashville and she had um, uh, a course that was just, it wasn't called painting for dummies, but it was more or less, you know, painting made easy. That's what it was called. And I thought, well, why not? Let's just try it. And when I found out that you could just paint back over a canvas, I just thought that was brilliant. And it was like, well, I, I could do this. And I mean, it was just from the very first brush stroke, I was hooked. It was, I just, I had so much cre pent up creative energy in me that was just wanting to come out. So um, yeah, that's, that's how it got started. And, you know, then I got sober and I just, I painted my way through the first two years of sobriety. I mean, just painted nonstop and processed so much, you know, at the canvas and then, and then working with Whitney was really learning you know, that we are the artist of our lives and we're create. you know, it goes beyond the canvas. It's, it's energy. It's our thoughts. It's, you know, we are the master creators. What am I going to create today? So. Mm -hmm. And how, how would you say your painting supported you through recovery or what, how, yeah. How, what did that do for you? It, I'm, I think it's what I had always been seeking, you know, like wanting to get into this altered state <laughs> and that's what would happen. I would just be just, you know, so joyous and free and flowing. And um, 
in those first two years, I was also a member of an artist co-op and I would go and just spend an entire weekends at the, at the artist co-op with other artists. And we were just creating together. And I mean, if you talk about from a vibrational standpoint, that was way more inspiring than being at a bar, <laughs> you know? Uh, and yeah, it just, I mean, it carried me through and I've, I've heard so many people talk about, you know, how hard recovery was. And I've thought, you know, it really wasn't that getting there was the hardest part for me. But it's like once I stepped through the door, it was just such relief because my soul had just been craving this creative way of life. And there was so much energy for it. You know, I just had so much energy available for it. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Um, and what you were saying about really working with what comes out instead of judging it, which can be the the default mode, especially with a Virgo stellium. Um, <laughs> it reminded me, I, I did some process painting for a couple of years, many years ago. And the question that the facilitator would often ask is, what could you do to ruin this painting? <gasps> you know, if I really didn't like something, what could you do to make it even worse? Um, and just that, that permission to make something a mess. It's like, no one's going to die. Right. No one's, no one's getting hurt here. If I make a messy, angry, sloppy painting. So I think that was, that was very helpful in terms of, I guess, like building the muscle of letting, letting come out what needs to come out and not being so tightly controlled and so worried about every doing something wrong or getting it wrong because that of course is what keeps us from taking risks and we can't expand we can't create anything without taking risks right yeah and i mean really embracing the shadow as well so if shadow shows up on on the canvas it's like well the darker and uglier and murkier it is on the other side of that is bright and light, you know, that it takes both. So using the canvas to balance that out. Mm -hmm. And just, and again, thinking about Saturn and Pisces and this work at the unconscious level or working with the unconscious and art is such an incredible way to connect with and express what's, right. you know, what our, our our minds not, might not even be aware of or what we don't have words for. And right. it's, you know, allowing that energy to move. And I would think if you had been um, an alcoholic for many years and then gave that up, that there was a lot that was, a lot that had been suppressed or not felt or not brought into awareness that through painting, it seems like it was just, pouring out of you for those years. Yeah. Yeah. And also all the light that was repressed. And I mean, that's one of the things, there's a term called um, bright shadow or golden shadow that I think is really um, important, uh, especially for women in recovery, because we have all these gifts that, that we just kind of have unconsciously kept stuff down. So really allowing that to come to the surface as well. Mm-hmm. Both. Do you have any examples that you would want to share from people you've worked with who have gone through a creative recovery process and just how lives have changed through through this approach? Um, 
I don't have anything like specific, but just general. I mean, I can think of many people off the top of my head that like just, and I see them each week in these meetings that we do. And, you know, because we're on the Zoom, we see the paintings and the background. And I mean, that's, it's just remarkable every time, you know, each week we get on a call and there's some huge colorful painting and it's just such a, um, it's a, it's a visual example of how vibrant their life is, you know, and you're, you're seeing the person there lit up and, um, and their, and their artwork is behind them. It, it's, it's just, yeah, it's really, really amazing. Um, and what yeah. do you say to the people who say, I, I'm not creative. I can't paint. I can't draw a straight line. I'm, that this is, I, there's no way that I, other people can do it, but not me. What do you say to those people? It, I mean, we're all creative. We absolutely are. And this is the person who has no skills or training. They're in the, they're in the best boat because they don't have to unlearn anything. And so this is, it's just, it's what you did in kindergarten, you know, and the whole thing is we're not trying to produce a product. This is, an expression. So I'm all about like really reclaiming the creative life force that flows through each and every one of us. And, you know, taking that back from what the patriarchal <laughs> programming has that, you know, if you're going to create, it's got to be perfect and it's got to be, you've got to be productive and you've got to make money at it or else you're just a starving artist. And, um, yeah, I've never had any, um, any kind of formal classes. All, all of mine is just about expression and I don't want it because I don't want to know what I'm doing wrong. I'm doing quotes. Um, yeah, because I really want to reclaim that I am full of this creative life force energy that wants to be expressed. Mm -hmm. And for the people who are highly sensitive or empaths is, is there something special with the creative process that goes together? I mean, I'm thinking that creativity seems like it's seems like that uh, sensitivity goes right along with the creativity or can, um, I don't know. How, how do you see those two going together? Yeah, it's, it's been more, um, I mean, I've heard so many times exactly what you said. Oh, I'm not creative. I can't draw a straight line, all that. And then when they actually get to the canvas or the art journal, it is like balm to their soul. It's like, oh, this feels so good. You know, it's like, it's, that's been the thing they've been craving because I think those who are um, I don't even like sensitive anymore because it has such negative connotations. Um, so what I've kind of reframed that to highly attuned. Mm. So the highly attuned are, they're the most tuned in to, you know, intuition and creativity. So when they, when they start accessing it, it's, it's just natural. And, and I have seen um, some of these, these women, turn out to be really skilled artists as well. You know, it just kind of naturally flows through them. So that also happens, but that's not the point. You know, that's not the objective. Right. And for somebody who's wanting to just get started with playing with creativity and dipping their toe in, 
what's your recommendation for first steps, small steps? Um, just getting a, a big canvas and some basic colors and just let yourself have fun. Just co cover the canvas into like just intuitively maybe dance around, get in your body. And then what color are you most drawn to? And just, just get paint on the canvas and then put another color right beside it. And then another one, you know, just, just see what happens. Just be curious and have no, um, no attachment to how it turns out and, and be willing to stop along the way, get a cup of tea and sit back and look at it and let, because there is energy in that painting. You have just put energy into it. So be sure and stop, sit back and let it inform you. I mean, that's, I've been amazed at how paintings will talk to me. Mm. <laughs> you know, just, they really communicate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, again, this kind of communication with our deeper selves or hidden right. selves. Um, yeah, that, that element of play is so lacking in our culture as well. I mean, even children don't seem to get to play or make art anymore with art programs being canceled and physical education being canceled. And, you know, even kids have to be serious and focused and what job right. are they going to get? So, yeah, it, it, it's almost like we've sort of lost the art of playfulness as adults. And and I think also just the permission to be playful. And this also brings me back to Pisces, because there is a, a whimsical fantasy element to Pisces. And what you were saying earlier about getting lost in a painting, right? Being so immersed in the creative process that you're in an altered state and in some other realm, um, that's Pisces. And I think there is, maybe it's part of being human that we need to, we need to have altered states of consciousness. And we don't have those kind of built in to the culture anymore. And so instead it's, okay, I'm going to drink a bunch of beer and sit in front of the television. And that's, that's my, but there's no creativity and there's no life force and there's no, um, yeah, nothing, there's nothing generative about that. That's right. de degenerative instead. Um, so yeah, the, the playfulness seems really like a, a key part. Definitely. Yeah. And, you know, if you think about somebody who's struggled with addiction, I mean, they get wild and crazy. I'm, okay. I'm just talking about myself that, you know, that was some of the fun parts. It's like, I, I wasn't so serious and I could dance and, you know, have fun. And then when I discovered, oh, wow, I can dance and have fun and be in my body in a sober way and not have any consequences. It, that was just remarkable. Um, I never dreamed. I mean, it took some work for me to get comfortable in my body and to, you know, get the armor softening, which again, comes back to this feminine approach is most of us are so armored up because we've been, you know, especially the empathic is it's been protection. It's been important. Mm -hmm. and, and my other um, experiences that most women who are empathic and struggle with addiction also came from dysfunctional homes. And so, it, you know, it was just hard 
to be, it was impossible to be in your gifts and be embodied because it wasn't safe. And so of course the armoring comes online. And so then the recovery is, is de-armoring and, you know, really being embodied and accessing all of that mystical gift that comes with the intuitive empathic gifts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was curious about that. I was wondering, because it seems like there's an association between people's high level of sensitivity and childhood trauma, that those often seem to go together. Is that, would would you say there's a correlation there? Um, yeah, I've always wondered which came first, you know. Yeah, I'm not sure. And yeah, I'll just, I'm not sure, but they... The, the people I tend to work with, they go hand in hand and which came first, I don't know. But mm -hmm. but there are, I mean, there are highly sensitive people who did not grow up in dysfunctional homes. And I would, my guess is that they have much easier access to their gifts than those who've had trauma. Right, right. Because it's very, um, very challenging to be super sensitive in an environment that is uh, abusive. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm also curious about your your family constellation work. I've had a little bit of experience with that, and I know it's so powerful. Um, how do you bring that into your work? Um, well, I mean, the other thing I've definitely found is we've had these generations of, you know, World War One, two, three. No, not three. That's where we are now. Sorry. Um Vietnam, you know, all these wars and our ancestors have gone through so much, just so much trauma and things didn't get processed. And so that's my understanding of family constellation work is that intense things have to be acknowledged and processed. And when they don't, the energy just keeps getting passed generation after generation. And then it shows up. It doesn't necessarily show up in the same way that it originated but it keeps showing up in, um, you know, addiction and patterns and um, illness and things like that. And so I feel like we're really living in a time now that so many of us are here for the purpose of healing the generational trauma. And so we can step into the quantum field and acknowledge what, you know, what has happened in the lineages. We may not know the exact details, but just to acknowledge on an energetic level, it helps it relax. And that then helps us to relax in our body and also acknowledging, you know, this isn't mine to carry. It was the ancestors and, you know, I have been carrying it and now we're acknowledging it, but I'm sent, you know, sending it back. This is, this is yours to carry and, and really asking for the ancestors support as we evolve beyond them. And, and I always feel, I mean, just like that experience with Bill W this morning, like he, you know, he wants this recovery thing to evolve. Our ancestors want us to evolve. So. Mm -hmm. And I feel like family constellation is also in a sense, a very Piscean modality because it does work, like you're saying, with the quantum field. It's very magical and mind-blowing what can happen in a session. And it it, it definitely defies our 
sort of limits or boundaries around space and time and what we're what we think we need to know in order to heal something or to yeah like it, it brings in a different kind of knowing that i think has more to do with that um the uh the field our, our intuition and how we are so affected by these invisible matrices mm. you know of our ancestors of the culture um have did you get into it because you had your own experience of self-healing with family constellation and then wanted to learn how to do it is that, yeah. that your entry yeah because i was so armored up that once i got into recovery i'm you know i was creating and all that was flowing through but i couldn't access like i couldn't access deep emotions um i knew they were in there but like i never cried and so by doing family constellations and representing somebody else, stepping into their energy field, I was able to just like crack wide open and just roar with the mo And it felt so good. It was so liberating. And, and it's a real empathy builder too, because, you know, when you step in, I mean, I can just think of some of the like harsh situations that I was representing, stepping into the energy field of somebody who was, um, you know, really misogynistic or, or something like that. But when you, when you keep dropping in deeper and deeper into the energy, you get to this root, you know, just fear and insecurity and that kind of thing. So it's a real empathy builder. It's, mm -hmm. it's truly multidimensional work because you're helping that person's lineage, you're gaining your own healing. It's, you know, it's an empathy builder. It, it's, yeah, very mind blowing. Mm -hmm. Do you think that the, the healing does go back in time? I do. Yeah, I really do. And I've seen, you know, over time, it's, it's remarkable how quickly things can happen too. you know, that somebody is, doing a constellation and two days later, the person, the family member they haven't talked to in 12 years, you know, calls them or, you know, things like that. It just, oh, just, yeah. Story after story of you just can't make this stuff up. So. Mm -hmm. yeah. so cool. Do you only do family constellation work in groups or is there a way that you also work with people just one-on-one? -on -one? Both, both. Yeah, it's very powerful to do it one on one as well. And the other thing I really like um, about doing constellation work is the more that we practice stepping into the quantum field, the more we access it just in day to day life, which I, you know, I think that is the Aquarian age that we just we really understand how expansive and multidimensional we are and what we have access to. But again, it takes that practice, you know, it's, um, we can't just go from this 3D reality to whoo, all this with it, you know, it needs some containers. So, right, right. Building a new muscle to expand out of the hyper materialist box that most of us grew up in. And we're, you know, our multidimensional selves got squished into and we have to practice and learn how to take ourselves out of there, which, you know, and coming back to the nervous system that can also, you know, we don't, we don't want to go too far out too quickly because then we blow our circuits and right. maybe can't handle it at a body level. So yay Saturn for 
the slow build and the, you know, showing up consistently and having the right containers. So yeah, Tammy, I just, I love what you're up to. Uh, your work sounds so rich and just so on point for where we're at. Um, before I let you go, let people know how they can find you. I'll include links in the show notes as well. And if you have any upcoming events that you want to let people know about. Yes. Um, so TammyRoth.com. Everything's always on my website. And um, the recovery circles, it's called the Unstoppable Dream. Um, and the recovery circles are ongoing. And so all of that link is on my website too. But um, I'm always happy to offer anybody a free, one-time free, so they can just email me and say, hey, I want to come to the circle and I'll send a Zoom link and then, yes, I have a retreat coming up. I live in just a remarkable hidden place in Florida. It's called the Forgotten Coast, and it's undeveloped, and it's like stepping back in time. And so I have a retreat in April. I have one spot left that I'm going to try to convince Emily to come to. <laughs> Twist my arm. Yeah. And, um, yeah, those are the that's the main stuff that's going on for me right now. And then I'm on Facebook and Instagram too. And then you do offer, you do work with people for one-on-one -on -one coaching. Yes. Is that right? Yes. Mm -hmm. And yes. particularly women and particularly women in recovery or. Um, yeah, because I've used recovery loosely. I would say more women who are seekers on this path and, you know, really looking to, step into what's calling and right. I, I love clearing the blocks that block people from their you know they're just their true calling what their soul's calling for mm -hmm. beautiful any final thoughts that you want to leave us with no I, I'm just so grateful for what you're doing I mean every podcast I listen to you just have such remarkable people and you're very skilled at interviewing so thank you Thank you. Oh, thank you so much, Tammy. It's been really wonderful to connect with you. Yes, you too.